Have you ever been part of a club? You know, something that you've actually joined. Maybe it's an official club where you've spent money on. You know, you've you spent a bunch of money, you become part of a club. And, and of course, when you do something like that, you get all kinds of benefits for being part of it. Um, you know, there's things like I mean, when I first finished pharmacy, went back home to Helensville for those couple of years, I was back with my mum. Um, you know, I joined the JCs and I was part of that for a while and did all sorts of different things and community work and all sorts of things as part of that, being a part of a club. So there's those kind of clubs that are quite formal, but then there's clubs that are a little bit more, less formal, I just things like drama club or, or maybe a club that you've been part of, it's around a passion you have. You, know, you often hear of clubs that are based on perhaps a kind of animal, a type of dog you like or a type of cat you like. And there are gardening clubs, car clubs, all sorts of clubs that you can join that are, are official or unofficial. Um, you know, if you're of a certain age, and you may not want to admit this, but as you were growing up, there might have been a club you belonged to, like, mm, I don't know, say the Spice Girls fan club. Yeah, fan club. <laughs> or, or, I don't know, new, new, depending on your age, new kids on the block or, you know, Justin Bieber, whatever it is. But, you know, most of you probably won't admit to that, but we do have inner healing ministries afterwards. So, yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever the club is, you know. But you know, one of my concerns is that sometimes I think as Christians, when they get saved, we actually think that we've joined some type of club, that we've become a member of the club. And it's sort of like, well, now I'm a Christian, I kind of, I joined the, the Christian club, the church club, I've, got to, I've joined something, I'm in a club, I've got to go along. But you know, the, and because clubs really are based, are those things that are based around a special kind of interest or a, a belief system or a philosophy. And, um, you know, they have common interests, common passions, common belief, very much like what we would say we have when we're part of the church. And so many people believe that when they get saved, they really join the church club. But, you know, the reality is you haven't joined a club. <laughs> it's a good news for you. You see, when you're saved, you didn't join a club. In actual fact, you didn't join anything for that matter. When you got saved, you became a disciple. And, and this is really important to understand. Because being a member of a club and being a disciple are two different things. I don't know if you know this, the, the early church, the first believers weren't actually called Christians. In fact, the word Christian actually didn't come from the church, it came from secular society. Acts 11.26 is the first time it says it was mentioned that the Christians were called Christians. And uh, that's actually about 12 years after Jesus was raised from the dead. And it was actually initially used as a label or, a, or a, uh, I guess it was used as a label or to figure out what the follower, these followers of Jesus were because they were so unusual, they were so different to anything else. And, and some indications are that it was actually used derogatory. It was almost a swear word. You know, oh, you're a Christian. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes that's used today as well, but that's a whole other sermon. But, you know, because the Christians thought of themselves as followers of the way. In other words, they thought of themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, the first thing that the people who followed Jesus were, are, are disciples. And this is really, really important that we understand this. As the foundation of our Christian faith. Listen to the definition of a disciple. Whoops. I don't know where we're going. Here you go. Well, we went somewhere. 
a disciple, a disciple is a follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or a philosophy. And this is important because we're not here because we join a club that does certain things or has a belief system or has the same interests. We're all here because Jesus came, saved us, and rescued us, and we're now followers of Jesus. See, we're not following a philosophy. We're not following a belief system. We're following Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, it's important to understand this. To live as a disciple... I am a disciple of Jesus. It's not called to be a member of a club. It's called to to follow him, learn from him, emulate his life. Allow what they teach me to transform who I am. I am a disciple. And Pete unpacked some of this last weekend when he preached a sermon called Being an Apprentice, where he talked about some of the important ways we can become disciples. Because you see, we are all called to be disciples. And what did Jesus do? With his disciples, Jesus taught his disciples about the kingdom. And this is really important that we understand this. When you get saved, you went from one kingdom and you were placed in another. Colossians 1.13 says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness. In a domain there. It's the same thing we hear about when we hear of kingdom. Kingdom, dom, domain. So here's the domain. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So when Jesus came and saved me, he took me from a place of darkness and he placed me in a place of light. I was taken from one kingdom and placed into another. And as a disciple of the king, as a follower of the king, he's trying to teach me and instruct me about this new kingdom I'm now part of. He's trying to disciple me. He's coming and saying, listen, you know, there is a domain of darkness. There are systems in the world. There are certain things that they teach, the way they live, how you live in that place. But you're not going to live like that anymore. You're called to live like Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus. You're going to learn from Jesus. You're going to understand how his kingdom works. And so what we find when we look at the teaching of Jesus with his disciples, the original 12, is that we find a kingdom of God is extremely different from the kingdom of the world. I mean, it's been called the upside kingdom, upside down kingdom, because it's so different from ways we've been taught in the world. And we have to learn to change our way of thinking. If we're going to change the way we live as a disciple, you see, it's not about just our behavior. It's about our beliefs. It's about what's inside affects what's on the outside. And so we need to change the way we think. That all the values of the kingdom are so different than those which we've been brought up with. So we're called to be disciples and to live within the context of the kingdom of God. However, I think we have a problem from the get-go. You see, we come to Jesus and we encounter the glory of who he is and we embrace him in our new life and we call it born again. And we do actually grasp exactly what he's happened to us. I mean, salvation and the newness of life 
I know when I got saved, I mean, I was only 15. I had virtually no life experience. But even at that age, I understood something incredible had happened in my life. I just, I remember just, just being so overwhelmed with the idea of now I had a relationship with God, a personal being. I'd been a little bit into mysticism and stuff like that, a little bit of astral projection and stuff. So to encounter suddenly this, this, this person and this relationship with God was just, that in some way it was a new creation. I mean, I mean listen to this. This is out of, the new, um, out of the passion. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new. Everything is fresh and new. And I'm sure if I, if I asked, we'd all put our hands up and say, yes, yes, I experienced that. But, you know, I think there's something we miss. You see, so often we get caught up living in our everyday lives. We miss what the, what the cross has done for us. Trimming fleas requires a glass jar with a lid. The fleas are placed inside the jar and the lid is then sealed. They are left undisturbed for three days. Then, when the jar is opened, the fleas will not jump out. In fact, the fleas will never jump higher than the level set by the lid. You know, I think, excuse the analogy, but I think we live like fleas. <laughs> we, we live lives that are so conditioned that we limit who we are and what God has called us to be. And I think one of the key things that actually limit us can very well be our understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us through the cross. We actually, you know, we, we have become something new. We now have a new life to live, that we get to live. But what is completely foundational for us is to understand that we grasp the foundation of what's said, the wonder of salvation. And I believe that when we grasp the foundation of, of what salvation truly means, it empowers us to live powerfully as followers of, D, of Jesus, becoming disciples of Jesus. That we need at the very beginning to understand, because so many of us, I know when I got, became a Christian, and I've shared my testimony before, sitting on the floor of a bus and saying, Jesus, if you exist, show yourself to me, and me just knowing and that's wonderful, and that is enough to get us into heaven. Please do not misunderstand me. That gets us into heaven. But you see, God wants us to live so much more beyond that. He has so much more. And so what we want to do is, as we lead into Christmas, uh, sorry, Christmas, wow. Oh, dear. I'm just thinking of presents again. As we lead into Easter this year, thank you, we're starting a series now called Good News. Good news. You see, at the very onset 
of God breaking into human history in an unimaginable, explosive way, unthought of. God became man. Wow. Wow. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. You see, good news was the message that the early church declared. We bring good news. Today we speak of the gospel. In fact, the word, the, the word gospel actually is a medieval word meaning good news. Good news. And we want to share it with you for several reasons. Number one, I believe that as we, as we grow in the understanding of the power and the fullness of what we are part of, what Jesus has done for us, what it means to be for us in our everyday lives, we can get even more transformed. Secondly, I believe that as we grow in this revelation, we will find that our worship will grow, that our lives as disciples of Jesus will take a new level of intentionality and focus. And celebration. And celebration. Yeah, I tell you, there's not a day that goes by that as I meditate on these powerful truths of what Christ has done for us, what the gospel truly means, and I understand more and more who I am now, what I've been called to do. My heart, I mean, it just it bursts with passion and worship for God. And I find myself being more determined and focused to walk out the calling of being a disciple of Jesus. And thirdly, I believe that this new understanding that we will have as we go through these weeks will, will I, I hope, put us in a place where we have clarity around what the gospel message is, what it really means, because I think it's got lost, to be honest. I think it's got lost. And I'm hoping that it will give you a desire and a confidence to be able to, to, to talk to those around you about the good news. And the way we want to do this is we want to do it a little bit differently this, um, over these few weeks. Now, next week, we've got Heidi Baker actually here preaching. So we've got the conference, and then Heidi's going to come Sunday morning. And that's, you know, that's going to be an amazing morning. So we're really appreciative of that. And it's going to be, invite your friends. It's going to be a special day. It's going to be really, really great. But apart from that, over the next month, as we head into Easter, Sue, Pete, and I will be preaching through this series, Good News. And not only that, what we also want to do is we also want to do it and have discussion nights. So at this Kingdom School of Transformation each night, we want to just invite you to come along and, and maybe flesh out a little bit more about what we've been saying each morning. So there'll be times to be some discussion and just kind of flush out. You may have some questions about what we talked about. We'll probably want to expand a little bit more on what we shared about because each one of these truths is, is massive. And you could spend a year on each, each truth, but we, we're just wanting to do an overall summary of it. Um, and so, yeah, we want to be a part of that. So that's the way we're going to do it. There may be some questions as well and some thought pieces as well. We'll put up on Liberty Connect as well. So what's this all about? What is the good news? And this is here what we're going to actually unpack over the next six weeks. We, Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share, share in God's life. Here's another way of doing it, I just, what I just said. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. 
It's the reality of it. This was actually developed, this, the picture that I just put up a minute ago, which, I, by the way, I put on Liberty Connect just before I came out of my office this morning. So if you go on to Liberty Connect, you'll see it there. It was developed by a Canadian Anabaptist pastor called Bruxy Cavey from Canada. And it's just so succinct. The statements are so simple, and they represent so much that's profound and got life-giving that over the weeks ahead, we're going to actually teach, take each one of those points, and we're going to unpack it a little and explore the power of what each one represents in our lives. And, uh, you know, in fact, I'd actually, and I've been trying to do, <laughs> I've been trying to do this, I've actually wanted to start memorising it. Because there are only 30 words. Everybody will go, one, two, three, four. All those, who, all those who are OCD are now counting them, but there are 30, trust me. Um, but, you know, it's a great thing to memorise. Because I just find as I've memorised them and as I've been thinking about them, firstly, just the flow of it, so easy. And it's actually quite a powerful thing. And, uh, but I don't want you to memorise it just so you, you know, can score a brandy point and say I've memorised it. But, uh, I, you know, I think there's some real power in it. And so I um, just really, really wanna, want you to think about that. You know, um, another way of looking at it is like this. Jesus is God with us. Come to. That's the ground of the gospel. That's what I'm going to unpack in a few minutes. Jesus is God. Come with us. And then there are gifts of the gospel. And I've heard, what does the gospel give us? Or what does it do? Firstly, it shows us God's love. It saves us from sin, it sets up God's kingdom, and it shuts down religion. You know, the Apostle John summarized each four of those qualities in Revelation chapter 1, where he said, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins with his blood, and he's made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Each one of these things is important, and certainly our amazing results of what Jesus has done. But you know what? They're not the goal. And sometimes we treat those as the goal of our salvation. It's a little bit like marriage. You know, if, if, if you want a, a husband or a wife because you, wanna, you want children and you want to feel secure, then to be honest, you're going through life with an incredibly weak foundation for your marriage. You see, your marriage is based on relational connection with your spouse. You do have children, generally. You do feel security. But they are byproducts of the relational connection with your spouse. And for so many of us, we've made those things the key of the gospel, when really the key, the goal of the gospel, is the final thing down the bottom. So we can share in God's life. You see, that's the third goal of the gospel. Jesus came to bring us into vibrant relationship with the Father. Wasn't even to get us to heaven. <gasps> that's another sermon another week. <laughs> it was actually for you to have relationship with your Father who created you. That's the goal. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. And so that's really the summary of what it's all about. And this morning I want to begin this series by looking at the very first statement. Jesus is God with us. Now, I love this statement. I just say it over and over and over. 
You know, I spoke at the end of last year, the last sort of three or four sermons I did under Christmas, that Jesus is God with us, God for us, and God in us. Those are on, on our podcast. And, and, but, you know, because I think we have actually forgot the core of the gospel, what Bruxy calls the ground of the gospel, and it's this, Jesus. Jesus. So often when you hear the gospel, it begins with, you are a sinner. No, 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 no. It doesn't begin there. And even that has its own. It begins with one simple thing. Jesus. Jesus. See, everything that we believe must be rooted and come out of this. Jesus. God comes to earth. You see, everything that we believe, everything that happened, rests on who he is and what he did. I am the way, the truth and the life, said Jesus. No one comes to Father except through me. There it is right there. It hits you in the face. There is no one. There is no way to God but via Jesus. And I think all of us in this room would probably agree with that. But I tell you what, there are many outside this room who would say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Come on. I mean, there are so many religions today. Shouldn't we appreciate and value the others' beliefs? I mean, come on. All, it's, it's all those beliefs, they climb the mountaintop to meet God. I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. Have you heard that? But you know what? That kind of thinking is fundamentally religious in the worst possible way. You see, the many paths up the mountain theory is based on three false assumptions. Number one, God is still up the mountain. Number two, it's our lot to climb up that mountain to get to God. And number three, the path and the person are separate. And you see, nothing could be further from the truth. Firstly, in the story, then the incarnation of Jesus becoming man, God becoming one of us, that is the heartbeat of the gospel. God is not up there somewhere, but right here with us and in us. Jesus said, I am with you always. Second, the gospel is the message of grace. God has given us everything that religion tries but fails to give us. You see, we don't have to climb up any mountain pathways to get to God. We don't have to do anything. God has already done it. And then thirdly, if God, if if Jesus really is God who has come to us, then Jesus is not just one pathway to God to get to the person of God. Instead, he is the path and the person of God. He is the path and the person are one. And in the context of Christ's statement in John 14 verse 6, that he's the only way to the Father, Jesus is the only way to God because Jesus is God. John 14 says this, If you've known me, you've known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, 
dummy. No, he didn't. He said, I have been with you for so long, and have you've known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. That's the reality. If God himself comes to us, it makes perfect sense that we sh- he should say he is the way to get to know him. Why turn to anything or anyone else that is secondary when the one who is truth is right in front of us? Brian Zahan, another great writer who I really, really recommend, says this. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God was like, but now we do. Wow. Jesus says he is the only way to the Father. And then he adds, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. See, Jesus claims to be the way to God because he is God. And God has come to us. So to claim that Jesus is the only way to God isn't arrogant, judgmental, or narrow. It's just stating the obvious. God is the only way to God. And this is, this is it. Listen, listen, listen. And he has taken the initiative to come to us. He has taken the initiative and come to us. He has sought us out. There is nothing you have to do. He has been pursuing you for the moment you were born, the moment you were conceived. John 3.16, we know it, but do we realize how loaded it is? For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world, listen to this, this is news, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So why do we as believers love him? Because he first loved us. You see, different religions are still trying to climb the mountain to find God. The thing is, God isn't up there. He's come down. He's come down from the mountaintop to meet us where we are. He came down. I mean, we all know the story of him coming down, the Christmas story. God becoming man. God becoming man. Matthew tells us, chapter 1, So all this was done to be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. God with See, God chose to identify with humans. Sometimes the message the church has given is that God is ticked off and angry and wants to punish and destroy and wreak havoc. And humans, I saw a video recently of a very well-known international speaker, and he was talking about how when Jesus comes back, he's going to draw the sword, and he's going to personally slash the unbelievers, and the blood is going to be on the robes of Jesus, and it's going to be a day of rejoicing. And I just said, no, no, no. 
God identified with us. And he did so out of love because he was seeking us. I mean, he didn't only just come as a human. He comes in these extraordinary circumstances. I mean, when he comes to earth, he doesn't come as a great king, which he could have done. He comes out as a baby. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, he put his whole life in the trust of a 14-year-old girl and her husband. He put his life in the hands of those he loved. He chose to identify with the weak, the poor, and the hurting. He came as a king, but he was a king without a palace. He came as a master, but he was a master without servants. Why? Why would God, the creator of the universe, do this? Well, I think one of the reasons that he did it is because he wanted to communicate to us that he was not going to try to force us into submission from the top down, but he was going to come and start a grassroots movement that will woo us with his love. God with us. This is the heart of the declaration. Uh, uh, this is the, the very heart of the gospel. Think about it. God with us. God is not out there demanding some kind of payment. God is with us. God, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. You know, as I say, I think that we have become so familiar. You know, there's an expression that familiarity breeds contempt. And I think we have become so familiar with what we would call the Christmas story, with the whole of that, that we actually just kind of shrug our shoulders and get on. We don't stop and allow the wonder to just wash over us the reality of the gospel. I mean, God is with us. This is a game changer. The idea that God is desiring to be part of my life. The creator and the sustainer of the universe wants to be in and on my life. That changes everything. It changes how I think. It changes the values. It changes the direction of my life. It changes everything. I don't know if you have any friends like my friend Brendan. But as Brendan was growing up, his parents were taken to church sometimes. And, um, but when he was in church, he heard a particular message. And then in later years, the Christians that he, that he worked around and had interaction with, he, he really formed an opinion about what Christianity was all about. And it seemed to Brendan that the only way that Christians, or the only thing that Christians wanted to tell him was that he was a sinner in the hands of an angry, wrathful God. And he was destined for judgment and bound for hell. You know, for too long, we've made declarations about the good news of Jesus by beginning to tell people that they're all sinners and on their way to hell. And I tell you what, that's the wrong starting point. You see, what, what really we're doing there is we're saying that the whole story started in Genesis 3 with the fall of mankind. That that's the, the entry of sin is where it all starts, but it's not. The whole story started in Genesis 1 
where God said, let us make man in our image. It started with God making a radical decision to make humans in his image and his likeness to reflect his glory and to care for his creation in deep, loving relationship with one another and with him. And God has always had, always had, from the moment of Genesis, all the way through, has had one desire, and that's to restore human beings to their rightful place. The place of sons and daughters of God in deep relationship with one another, living out our God-given role on planet Earth. And that role is to establish his kingdom. And this is what it's talking about when it says, we have fallen short of the glory of God. You see, God created us to live in his glory by living in our identity and fulfilling our, our destiny. I love the quote by N.T. Wright. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. You see, we have a high calling. It's to establish heaven here. And the very ground of all that we are called to do begins with that re this reality. Jesus, God with us. Jesus, God with us. You know, people call us, people, uh, sorry, the Muslims. Do you know the Muslims call us people of the book? But that's not because we have a book. The Bible has been our foundation. But you know, that's not completely right. You see, because this Bible is not a, not a painting to be looked at, but it's a window to look through. A window that we look through and we see Jesus. And I love what Bruxy says. He says this. He says, Christ's followers believe in the inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word of God. And his name is Jesus. You see, we are people of the person. We don't follow the Bible. We, follow, we read the Bible to learn how to follow the person that the Bible declares, and his name is Jesus. So just, and to give you a technical form, the name of what, how we are forming our theology is cruciform theology. And what it means is that we read the Bible and we understand the Bible and all that God talks about in here because we look at everything through who and what Jesus did. And it's, here's a really good, good, good guideline. If you read something about God or you hear something about God and you can't find it in Jesus, then it probably isn't true. Because you see, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the full revelation of God. Jesus is the full revelation that God has given us. Jesus, God with us. And another thing I just want to throw out there, you know, it's not just about his birth and his death. I mean, we can get that very easy because we get the Christmas story and the Easter story. But there's a whole lot other in between. You know, it's interesting when you look at the great, great creeds of history, Christian history. There's two of them that many of you probably have heard of, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And both of them are great in what they say. But in them, they talk about that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We go, yep. Then the next 
statement is, and he died at the hands of Pontius Pilate. And we would go, yes. But both those creeds miss out 33 years in between. They're great, but they miss out the importance and the focus of Jesus' life and teaching. Uh, and I've got to admit, I, I've been guilty of that. I've, in my own personal devotion, I used to find that I would read more of the letters than I would about Jesus' life. And I've really been convicted on that. That, that when I begin to read the word and I begin to look at Jesus' life, there's such clarity in there that no other revelation, no holy book, no guru, no prophet offers. Because I'm reading about Jesus who perfectly reflects God. And he shows me not only perfectly reflecting God, but he shows me what perfect humanity looks like as well. I mean, think of this. Not since Adam and Eve were, were first created has, a, has there been a perfect life on, earth, on this planet until Jesus. So when we study the life of Jesus, we get our clearest picture of who God is. And who we were made to be. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world from him. You see, from every vantage point, when we look at the person of Jesus, we can see that he is God with us. God for us. He's God in our corner. He's God on our side. And this is it. This is the ultimate good news for you and I. For every single person on this planet. You see, God is intent on having relationship with every single person on this planet. It has nothing to do with punishing us. It's drawing us into relationship with him. And he has moved heaven to open the door for us to step into the deepest, most meaningful, life-giving relationship. A relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is good news. Through his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection and return, Jesus has showed us God's love. He has saved us from sin. He has set up his kingdom. He has shut down religion. All, all with one goal in mind. To usher us into God's own love life. Let's stand, shall we? Thank you. This is good news, folks. Yeah. And over the next one, two, three, four weeks. <laughs> no, five weeks. This must be five weeks of the preaching roster. Five weeks. Ending up on, on Easter Sunday. And Sue's going to bring such an amazing message on Easter Sunday of life and liberation. She's been planning it for a couple of weeks amongst one or two other things she's been doing. <laughs> like buying buildings and organising conferences. But anyhow, it's going to be an amazing time. And every week I want to encourage you to take hold of what we're talking about. Go home, meditate on it, get hold of the scripture. We'll, as I said, I put up the chart on Liberty Connect today. I actually printed them and left the little charts up in my office. I'll bring them down next time. But, you know, it is good, good news. Father, I just thank you that we have such good news. God, God with us. Thank you so much. 
And Lord, I just pray that the revelation of what you have done will permeate into every cell of our being. It will just blast our, our, any false belief systems away, anything that we hold of wrong images of you, wrong images of us as humans. The Lord, not only today, but over the weeks, we will just encounter a revolution, a revolution of how good our God is and what he's done for us. And that, Father, you'll take us into new levels of life, new levels of freedom, new levels of power through the revelation of the goodness of the good news of Jesus Christ.